anyways, how's your day going? It's going. It's been uh, busy. It's running around to do, and uh, I booked my vaccine today, so I'm really excited. Congrats. Yeah, Which thanks. One? I think it's it will it'll either be because I'm I can't do AstraZeneca. I'm too young for it, so it'll either be Pfizer or Moderna. Mm. It's like asking know. what people their horoscope is now. Like, yeah, literally. Did you get which facts? <laughs> I got the J and J. Did you actually, Rachel? Yeah, and I like actually. If you watch the video from when we had Curtis on, you could see me progressively getting like redder and redder and like more sweaty and gross <laughs> because I got it that morning. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah. Okay. I never noticed. I literally, like, I didn't clock that at all. I feel like a bad friend. Oh, no, you're fine. <laughs> you're fine. I, like, was acting normal, too. You were. I was like, this is just normal, weird Rachel. I just Yeah, no, it. but, like, I hung up, and I was literally shivering because, like, I, I, I had... I'm so sorry. It was so bad. Yes. Look, we can blame my dad for that. He's the one who called me in the middle. Like, I was in Brooklyn, and he just calls me and goes, there's a vaccine appointment. Take it. And I was like, okay. Fair enough. Yeah. You're in Brooklyn? Um, I have a friend who – I actually have two friends who live in Brooklyn, but I, I live on Long Island. I'm in New York. Um, okay. Naomi's in Bethesda, Maryland. Yeah. Yeah, just right beside D.C. It's right beside where? D.C. D.C.? Yeah. Oh, cool. Where about um, you? I'm in Toronto. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm afraid of uh the rats in Brooklyn terrify me. Yeah, that's fair. They're like they're like <laughs> like bigger than my dog. Yeah, they're huge and like they're weirdly dexterous too. <laughs> Wait, I like I'm not picturing this. Can you give me like a hand? Size? Think about like the pizza rat. It's like this big. <laughs> they're all massive. They're like they're like they're as big as like foxes or like a skunk. They're huge. Like, Some of them get really skunk or, crazy. Oh yeah, like skunks or raccoons. That's You're not making me want to visit New York at all. Yeah. Well, just don't go to Brooklyn. Yeah, just just don't go to the city. Well, you came here. You didn't go to the city. You were fine. I did. I did visit well, Rachel the other day. Well, you can go. You can go to Manhattan. Yeah. They're, they're not really. They're Every not as. Bad. They're not as bad. In I hate Manhattan as so much. <laughs> Why? <laughs> It's so gross. Okay, so I'm stealing this line what? directly from King of the Hill, but it is a monument to man's arrogance. Like, it's terrible. It's a terrible place. It's horrible. It's just, it's it, the worst place in the world. Um, You live in Long Island. I know. It's oh, pretty <laughs> There's a random like, serial killer here. <laughs> Yeah, like let, let's not like it's Long Island is where like those who can't handle New York go. Long Island is where all the fucking psychopaths go. That's what I'm saying. If you can't <laughs> handle the city, you move to Long Island. It's whack here. It's so <laughs> so, and you're sitting there shitting on Manhattan. Okay, I'm talking about more from a cleanliness standpoint. Well, like, yeah, it's foul. I mean, summer foul. summer in the city just smells like garbage. It's yeah, just it's disgusting. Terrible. It's like and, I had a friend who had an internship here one summer, and she went back to the Midwest. Feel her tours clearing the second she left. Oh, 100%. 100%. Just, 
I would never like I I always thought my next move would be New York and there's no chance especially after COVID like living like I I live in a condo in the city in the middle of the city and it's fucking hell but to go to like a shoebox in New York there is no chance I would do that and have people on top of me like my next move is West Coast. Like, yeah, you'd be you'd be like in an apartment the size of this room that I'm in with like three other people in it. Well, let's <laughs> not go that far. I I would make sure I had something like cute. Let's not but go that But like, far. not that your room isn't person. cute, but but like <laughs> living with other people is not on my. Oh like, yeah, for sure. I'll, I'll take my boyfriend and my dog, and that's it. That works. That's yeah, what but dog do you have? I have a golden doodle. Do you want to meet her? Yes. <laughs> Iris. Iris. Come here. Oh, that's such a cute name. I'm dying. I love dogs. <laughs> yeah, I'm she just, has to make I'm it on. Not. This this part has to make it make the cut, though. If it oh, you already cut. know. It's staying in, and it's going to be like the first shot of the promo, too. Okay, let me go get her. Yeah. Please do. Thank you. <gasps> Hello. I was not ready for her to be that color, too. <laughs> She's a black golden doodle. Oh I've never seen a black golden doodle. I've never seen one of those either. She just lays on me like this, like a little baby. She's like a sloth. <laughs> How old is she? She's like... How old? She's a year. A little baby. Hi, Iris. Oh, she's so pretty. Look at that face. <laughs> she's like, where is that sound coming from? <laughs> she like literally is giving you a hug right now. Oh yeah, that's how we go to bed Backpack. every night. No, it's not. Yeah. Okay. That's, so that's kind of how I sleep with my dog, except my dog's not that cute. I'm just All like, dogs cute. I'm just oh, like, oh, no, Mika's not actually cute at all. But she's so gross. Yeah. Mm, no, I was just gonna say, like, your boyfriend's like trying to cuddle you, and then Iris is just like, Wah. right in the middle. <laughs> we just we had we had a queen size bed, and we had to get a king size, of course, because she had all of us. Of course, I get it. I get it. Okay, Rachel, do your thing. Introduce. We got it. Let's go. All right. We're doing. So today is unfortunately Naomi's last podcast with me for the minute, for a minute, and we'll get it figured out. We'll figure something out. I don't know what's going to go on after you leave, but I'm going to figure something out. But today, we have the lovely Brock McGillis. Brock is the first openly gay professional hockey player, but seems to like his dog more than his boyfriend. <laughs> Would you disagree with that? <laughs> um... Oh, <laughs> It's up in the air, he said. <laughs> so, that's amazing. At least he like, knows. Out of the, yeah, I mean, like, he knows his place. Yeah. Iris slapped. Um, she was yeah, so, uh, it's up in the air. Some days it's the dog, some days it's Matt. Um, so, you two are split up. That lasted long. Yeah, right? <laughs> Right. No, it's actually really upsetting. When we started, I kind of had no aim and no purpose. We also had a lot more energy. <laughs> we did have a lot more energy. And then since then, my business has like really taken off and I've gotten a bunch of 
new clients that I didn't ask for, and I'm I'm happy about it. But it's just it's becoming a drug dealer. Yeah. Yeah. How'd you know? <laughs> look like a drug dealer, right? Word of mouth. Yeah, that's, you, how you, that's how you succeed in the business. What's your business? Plug your business. Oh, I run a girls empowerment program and we do uh, like eight to 12 year olds and pretty much their moms. And we do like personal training, keeping girls in sports, stuff like that. Pretty fun. That's cool. Good for you. That's I like that. Thanks. And wait, you can't do that and do a podcast? Well, what's happened is I originally had four clients and I'm also yeah. getting my personal training certificate and I'm also planning to move to London in September. London, England? Like yeah, UK? That one. Yeah, that oh, that's my favorite city. We'll talk about the UK after this. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, I'm obsessed yeah. with London. Finish your life story first. I'm sure everyone's interested. I think <laughs> you're <laughs> overestimating the interest level that people have. Oh, in their life. I think you missed my sarcasm. Um, <laughs> keep going. <laughs> nope, it's too late. You don't get to hear if, it now. That's too late. That's fine. I see how if you if you thought Curtis was bad, you're in for next level shit. <laughs> no, now. Curtis was so nice to us. He was so he polite. Was so nice. Oh, was he faking? Was he? No, he's actually like the nicest human. <laughs> was he faking? I, on the other hand, am a piece of shit. So here we go. Get into it. <laughs> All right, it's happening. All right, wait. So you said that you love London. When London's my go? favorite city. So have you been multiple times? Um, I've only been once. Mm. Uh, but it's still my favorite city. I went actually. I was there in January 2020. Oh wow! Yeah, right so before like lockdown. Before mm -hmm. Yeah, I was there. Do, do either of you watch Drag Race? No, like as in RuPaul. I've yeah. seen. I have friends that are like obsessed with it, and so like I've seen bits and pieces, but like I have not committed myself to the show yet. Oh, well, you're missing out. It's I better know, than I, hockey. I know, that's what I've gathered. Um, <laughs> but I have a show with Drag Race. Okay, now I definitely need to watch it. And I went to the UK. I went to England in January of 2020. So I guess just over a year ago. Um, for RuPaul's DragCon UK. So it was a drag convention. I did a an event with uh, my co-host of my show, Mrs. Kasha Davis. We co-host a show. She's from one of the seasons um, on Wow Presents Plus, which is Drag Races made by World of Wonder, who has a digital streaming platform. I have a show with them. I love Fun it. fact. But That's yeah, so I was there in cool. January, spent a week there. My partner and I went and like, I've been to Paris multiple times. I lived in Amsterdam. I've lived all over and I would say, um, if I could, I would live in London. But okay, so you start a business here and then you're leaving it to right. move. He said, fuck you guys, deal with it yourself. <laughs> right. No, so originally I was supposed to get my master's in London starting last September and then with uh, okay. back. And then I was just kind of floating around for the first part of the year, which is when Rachel and I decided to do our podcast. And then I like settled down on something and got really into it, made a website, did the whole business thing. And now that it's thriving, which is great, I'm like, ah, oh, shit. But anyways, so I leave in September for London. And I'm, Are you doing your master's there still? I am. I am. And what's your master's in? Sports marketing. Cool. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. But anyways, enough about me. I'm not that interested. And so you can't do the podcast while you run the business? Yeah, it's honestly, I have currently 15 clients. And so they, what? I have like 75 jobs. And 
you can I'm still here for this considering I, I do all the editing it's, yeah it's bullshit <laughs> find an hour but honestly i don't like going into a podcast where i feel unprepared like if i'm gonna do a podcast with someone like i want to know their life story i want to like have good questions for them and like feel engaged and like you know they're spending their time wisely like i am and and i don't feel like that i haven't felt like that in weeks to be honest and it's just like i feel bad putting myself in a position where i'm not making someone else like a priority and i want to for a podcast yeah but you'll have like eight hours on flights you can when you <laughs> fly to the uk plane wi-fi yeah i'm concerned about that that's a pass but i think i'll see kind of when i settle into grad school there and I'm planning right now on trying out for a Division Three professional soccer team over there and also getting cool. pregnant. So between that, I will let Rachel know if I have time, I promise. I, I'm going to try and make time because this is actually something I really enjoy. This is like the highlight of my week right here. So Aww. we're going to try and figure it out. the nicest thing she's ever said to me. Cut that out. So, <laughs> nope. So <laughs> Rachel, is she replaceable? Do you have somebody lined up? Honestly, I didn't really like think about it that much um do you love how i'm spinning this and it's I not about say you I love the pot. Like <laughs> yeah i'm i'm stirring the pot and i'm, I'm flipping the that. script it's we all like, on you we like barely have to do any work right now i love that yeah this, this is great it's great for everyone i'm tired yeah, of telling and for story. the unprepared people who just want to have more time to prepare but don't have time so it's great that you're asking questions <laughs> yeah because you didn't have Time to figure out who the fuck I am, so this works out well. I know who you are, I know who you are, but only because Curtis told her. Wow. Fuck my drag. <laughs> but anyways, we're flipping it back. Rachel, ask him an intelligent question. No, wait. <laughs> Hold on. That... So you have people lined up. So I do have people I couldn't consider. But mm. I also don't want to necessarily have to put them in that position because like oh yeah by the way naomi might come back and like well you can always have a throuple at that yeah, point I was gonna say, that's true don't even worry about it we'll but just I do also, and then naomi won't do need it to, and naomi won't need to ask as many questions because there will be three of you um, i'll just be there like nodding nodding <laughs> she can like write notes on the fly and then learn She's, about like, the, the person i have my notepad <laughs> out I have Do you want me to send you my Wikipedia really quick? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Wait, I have a question about a Wikipedia page. So is this something yeah. that someone made for you, or did you make it for yourself? Because I know... No, I didn't even know I had one. Oh, <laughs> look at you. I know. Right, I need a blue check. check. I'm, I, I, think it's, I think it's homophobic that I don't have a blue check on socials. <laughs> There's no other homophobia. It is. It has to be. Like, why else wouldn't I have one? I used to I'm... follow this dude who had 800 followers and he had the blue check. So that's, that's such your bullshit. Homophobia. Yeah. What did he do? Did he work in like. He was the... an ex NFL player. Ex. And... He played for like two years. Yeah, but as soon as you get drafted in like the that's NHL, true. you get a check. So they probably had a deal like that. Um, the, the worst is when you see somebody who works like in the back of a newsroom and they're the one who sent it in for like everyone who works there to get verified and they get themselves very they like slide their name oh yeah i i I, like i know people who've done that i'm like no and then they're like yeah and then they're like hey how do i get it on uh instagram i'm like i don't fucking know i don't even have it 
<laughs> you need it. You need it. I'm gonna send in the like request for yeah. Yeah. Just, just get all your listeners to make fake accounts of me. So that so I can be like, can you please verify me? Look at this. Actually, somebody made one of me a week or two ago after putting me on a uh, like a genocide list, like white genocide list. And then they, they made a fake account of me, and they were tweeting out a bunch of like nasty shit. So that was fun. Oh my um, god. Yeah, you're seeing now. You're learning about me. You're learning the real shit. You won't find that on Wikipedia. I was just gonna say, I didn't see that on that's, the page. That's not on fucking Wikipedia. You might want to add it though. You got some time right now, Naomi. <laughs> I do. Look at that references. You got yeah. Wait, so I just found out here that you were a goalkeeper, goaltender. Is that is that the yeah? This is in soccer. We don't have goalkeepers. Okay, so I just want to preface this with: I'm not a hockey player. I'm literally wearing a soccer jersey. Me neither. Um, yeah, Good one. I know you're a I'm not, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a hockey player anymore. I, I don't even identify as a goalie. That's fair. <laughs> Here I was. I was, say, I was about to say, as a goalkeeper to a goaltender, I was just gonna say respect because I feel like you know it's one of those positions where oh, you're, you're a goalie. I, I was. I was. I no, don't identify as a goalkeeper anymore. Well, you kind of do because you're trying out for Division Three. Okay, but like I'm in an in-between period. Sorry, I listen and, <laughs> and I do my research on my guests. <laughs> Boom, and I'm here to tell you. Yeah, mic drop. I'm walking out right now. Um, I'm here to tell you that um, goalies are weird, and no. it makes so much sense to find out that you're a goaltender. <laughs> We've, like, had this conversation about how weird goalies are, like, every yeah. other podcast. Yeah. Yeah, they are. They're, they're fucking... Weird. They're, they're, like, the flakiest, flightiest people in the world. Are you flighty? What? No. You I can't be come too... back to the apartment and she would just be like, okay, I'm leaving. I won't see you in four days. All right, that was different. Wait, you two live together? We did. For summer, yeah. Why, how, what? That's how we met each other. We were both doing internships in the D.C. area, so... For what? I was working for a baseball team. She was working for D.C. United. Like the Nationals? No. (laughs) No, they wish they were the Nationals. It was like the collegiate summer league. (laughs) Oh, that's exciting. Oh, yeah. Very. (laughs) And you were with who, sorry? DC United. DC United. It's the uh, MLS, MLS team here. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot, actually. So, and how did you meet? Like Craigslist? No. No, they just randomly paired us. Isn't that crazy? Oh, so you were both in, and it was an internship program, and they no. chose for you. No, completely <laughs> random. We went through GW Housing in DC, yeah. and I oh. was like, "Whatever, I'll have a roommate." And she was like, "Whatever, I'll have a roommate." And they put us together, and we're like same age she went to um what's the one minnesota um and i was at wisconsin and we both had similar majors and similar wait majors. you both went to the midwest for school i know right <laughs> who chooses it's like oh i didn't get in anywhere else or my parents are related <laughs> i'm not in the south first of all um no so well you're <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm dying. No, I actually, I went to Wisconsin originally to play soccer. Mm. I, was like I love cheese so much. <laughs> I'm going to move First to all, Wisconsin. First of all, I fuck heavy with cheese. Don't you dare shade cheese. It gives me like... I'm, I'm off dairy right now, so... Really? That's yeah. why I wonder why you're so itchy. <laughs> no, that's because I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, like Matthew from Big Mouth. The, the moment I wow. came out, I became a bitch. Fair enough. Wait, all the rage you, you had. I, I was the nicest person when I was great. That's so I do not buy that for a second. Yeah, it's so true. Have you seen Big Mouth? Wait, because Rachel, that was actually so true. You remind me so much of what's his name, Michael? Matthew. Matthew. Matthew from Big Mouth. Bitchy and gay isn't a personality, sweetie. <laughs> I am obsessed with that show. It's actually really I've never cool. heard of it. It's on Netflix. Wait. Okay, I'll check Canadians it out. have Netflix? Like, not- yeah, <laughs> no, we live in igloos and we don't have running water or cable or digital streaming services. Because in the UK, in the, they, UK the Netflix is different. I feel like I'm getting so much. Yeah, but they still have Netflix. <laughs> yeah, but it's still it's called Netflix. No, but it's, it's just shit. On it's Naomi like, did. We have like seven movies and they're all like 50 first dates. <laughs> like their entire selection of movies. Um, oh some people say the Canadian one's better than the U.S. one. Other people say the U.S. one's better. Interesting. Um, I heard the Australian one is lit. Really? really? I've heard. Oh, I'll check it out. I'm <laughs> Get an, uh, what do you call it? VPN. Mm, yeah. That's the one. Yeah, I'm um, having a real issue with words today. I mean, not yeah. that that's like Words different. are tough. Words are tough. You, you better... You better like get that in order before you move to England. No, I'm they, just they originated. So they originated the language. No, they actually they think that my accent's really cute over there, so they're just gonna be so like interested in me sounding like a Yeah, but they're gonna American. think you're Canadian, and then when you tell them you're American, they're not. No, that's going a, to... the Americans pretend they're Canadians because they I know. Don't shit on overseas. That's what I'm saying. So as soon as you tell everyone you're American, they're not gonna think it's that cute anymore. No, you see, because Wisconsin's basically Canada, a eh, I'll just start talking like that, <laughs> and I'll like. No, make- uh, I'm just gonna scooch on past you there. <laughs> oh, excuse me, right there. Oh, oh there you go. No, pal. that was that was more like that was your Minnesota days. Like I perfected. I literally, I had so many like of my friends whose parents would like scooch past me, and they're like, "Oh, I'm just gonna scooch on past wait, you there." Uh, it's the hard D. I want to know how you Everyone say Everyone loves a hard D. <laughs> how do you say this word? Oh, my God. Root beer. Okay. Because in Wisconsin, people say root beer. Yeah, or root. Yeah, I'm, I'm Canadian. I'm not from Wisconsin. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but they're different places. I feel like they're Wikipedia really close. I'm like... No, but growing up in D.C., I didn't know where Wisconsin was, and I definitely was like, it's just Canada. And I still think that now that I've lived there for four years. Can I tell you, I'm from Canada, and I, unless I was paid to go for something, I wouldn't go to roof. <laughs> it's not a roof. A roof! Um, um, I, I, are you, like teaching your in your empowerment classes like how to spell like like phonics like 
No. And I also feel no. like I would be really bad at that. So. Yeah. Well, luckily you're not doing it then. But no, um, <laughs> I'm from Canada and I wouldn't go to Wisconsin unless I was paid to go. So Actually, same, with, same with Minnesota, though. I, I also don't there. blame you. <laughs> That's funny. No, you know, I actually, Madison is really pretty specifically in the summer and that's about it. Uh, yeah. But so for, for two and a half for weeks. Nine, for like a month, it's when the When it de-thaws for that month, it's, it's a great place. There's about three months of the year where I wouldn't trade it for the world. And then I hear it's the a great party. thing yeah. ever because you left yes. Wisconsin. Yeah. But like, I don't, I feel like those, like, how many keggers can you go to in a small, like, Midwest country town before you get fed up of going to keggers? How many games of cornhole? It's the city. It's the capital of Wisconsin. It's the only okay. thing there is the, the capital of Wisconsin is, like, okay, sure, great. Like, so there's, what, 50,000 people? Like, that's not a city. I don't know. I don't even think it's that much. It's, like, the college, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, you, the you airport closes at 9.30 p.m. You yeah, can't call it a funny. city. Like, May I just, like, okay, I'm going, I'm going on the 25th, and you're just going to get spammed nonstop of, like, the pretty cool things that are in Madison, so. Oh, so I'm going to get three photos? <laughs> at least six. It's not even going to be that many. <laughs> yeah. It, there'll be as many as I get from Long Island. <laughs> <laughs> Bring What's it around. <laughs> There's some fucked up shit in Long Island that's pretty cool to look at. Oh my gosh, I cannot with this. Rachel, ask a hockey question. Yeah, ask me <laughs> something. Well, so how, you know, the hockey atmosphere so is like the worst. And you know, like, as a kid, did you like really just like internalize that a lot? Did it like really affect like, you know, because a lot of times when you're in that kind of environment, you you lose your passion for the game you know like did you ever feel that like fatigue in the locker room just like being around that environment um yeah in different ways I think growing up I uh suppressed it like completely like uh, I I was six or seven years old and I said to my parents what if I'm gay mm -hmm. and they said if you're gay you're gay we love you and then like hockey took such a an important role in my life that I suppressed my sexuality fully um and I didn't like like I wouldn't even accept the notion of being gay or not being straight so a lot of the time like I adhered to the hypermasculine norms of that culture I was a womanizer. I'm ashamed to admit that, but I was. I partied hard. I was a, a cocky jerk. Um, and, like, through my, you know, late years of minor hockey and into junior, into the OHL, like, people thought I had this sweet life. Like, you're in the OHL and you're signing autographs in malls walking, you know, to a store. And, and like your friends think you have the sweet life and like I would get my friends into bars without like, like just bypassing lines and like different things and owners of clubs when I was 16, 17 years old would give us trays of shots and like, you know, like, so it was a lot of fun, but I hated myself. Like I'd go home and I'd cry almost every night. Um, and uh, on more than one occasion, I tried to take my life. 
like I'd say at least five or six times. And, and it was because of the language and behaviors in locker rooms. When I finally like got to like 17, 18, I realized I couldn't be myself and I didn't think I could be myself and play the sport I loved. And because growing up in that sport, it became my entire identity, right? Like when you're like really immersed in a sport and you're good at it, especially like hockey in Canada or like, I mean, you both were in like hockey hotbeds in the US and Wisconsin and Minnesota. So you, you know what it's like there. And, and um, so my whole identity was based off hockey. You know, I was Brock McGillis hockey player. Uh, and so I didn't think I could be gay and play the sport. So I had to hide. And I, I just couldn't accept being gay. So um, I'd cry at night. I was suicidal. I was incredibly depressed. I had a season-ending injury every year from 15 until I retired in my late 20s. Um, I went from being on NHL draft list to playing in the minors in Europe. Like I was supposed to have this linear trajectory to the NHL. Um, I drank every day from 18 to 23 uh, just because I had to numb it and I couldn't deal. So, yeah, it definitely played a, a part. Um, some of it, you know, subconsciously without even realizing it, I was suppressing it. I was avoiding it totally and uh, resenting myself if I had any thoughts about it. Yeah, it's a tough environment for sure. I mean, it's messy. It's, it is. It's not it a, is. Th th there's a reason why there's no, like in North America, I'm still the only player who's played professionally to come out. Yeah. You know, there's a reason for that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've, you know, I've had this conversation. See, I don't personally identify on this LGBT uh, spectrum, but like my dad and I watch a lot of sports together. And one thing that we were t we've talked about before is like, you know, why do you think women's leagues have more openly gay athletes? Um, and you know, obviously it's the environment. But I was wondering what your answer to that question would be, since he is listening. <laughs> um, I think it's. Um, a number of different things. I think there's an unfair perception in sport that uh, sports are masculinized and they're hyper-masculine. They're, they're an extreme uh, version of masculinity and that you have to be that to play sports. So I think there's an unfair notion in, in a lot of women's sports especially uh, sports like hockey that are deemed as tough, rugged sports that um, women playing are presumed to be lesbians until proven straight, as opposed to, um, you know, you look at um, men's where you're presumed to be straight. So I think there's, there's opposite stereotypes and unfair stereotypes there. Well, similar stereotypes in that everyone's hyper-masculine, but like, it's it's like an opposite thing where you're everyone like you see now like so many women and if you watch like Canada US play at the, like the World Championships of hockey while well, it just got <laughs> not canceled. this year <laughs> yeah uh, but typically you'll see how like most of the women wear makeup on the ice and it's interesting and I've talked to a few different academics about this and 
from my own observations, I wonder if some of it is because of that perception. So they're hyperfeminizing themselves so that they aren't presumed to be lesbians. You know what I mean? Like there's this stigma that and even if they are lesbians, that they can still be feminine. There's a stigma that they're going to be like this masculine woman. And um, it's bullshit and unfair and really fucked up in sport culture that this exists. So I, I think that leads to the inclusive culture that it's almost assumed beforehand. Um, I think, you know, either way, there, there's still issues there. There's issues with trans inclusion. There's issues with... Um, there's still issues where sometimes lesbians aren't included or you might have teams that are predominantly queer and might be, you know, less inclusive of straight people. I mean, on the team, not in society. But I'd say for the most part, it's just, it, it probably lends to the fact that they've been exposed to um, queer athletes longer. Uh, their Their entire lives, they've probably, you know, had teammates who came out at some point um and there's that perception so they've they've likely dealt at some point of being accused of being gay or queer and and because of that there there's probably a little more empathy towards it and respect of queer people whereas on the men's side nobody is presumed to be gay they just call each other fags for fun yeah, it's, it's so weird because they're like the most homoerotic yet somehow homophobic people. Oh, <laughs> well, here's the thing, though. I don't even think they're homophobic. I just think they, yeah. they, they've been ingrained in a culture that is uh, ha uses homophobic language so much and so regularly. And I think that's a lot of men's team sports that, um, I mean, there is an L.A. Galaxy player at the start of this MLS season who... Uh, called his teammate jokingly uh, a fag or something. I, I can't remember. I think it was in Spanish. I don't know what he called him, but um, it was homophobic. And, you know, he said it jokingly to his buddy walking off the pitch. So it, it, it happens in sports. Uh, I think the language in men's hockey locker rooms is probably a little worse than, than most sports. Um, but it, it happens everywhere. I mean, we just saw Kevin Durant went on like a homophobic tirade in the DMs of a uh, journalist or reporter, Michael Rappaport. And, you know, um, it's so commonly used in the culture that I, I don't know if they're homophobic as much as they just, it's normalized to say because nobody comes out in the sport and then people who are queer or gay leave sport because they hear this language on a daily basis and they feel like they can't play themselves and play the sport. So it just creates this, you know, echo chamber of straight people able to say what they want. And then you take hockey where it's 99% white, um, straight, middle to upper class and different than most sports. It's like most sports growing up are played in schools. Right. Like, like if you're, you know, if you're on a soccer team, you might play on a rep team and whatnot, but everyone still typically plays for their schools or volleyball or basketball or everything else. Hockey doesn't. And even if you do play for your school, it's over in a rink. Whereas, you know, you look at sports teams, let's take boys sports in high school. Well, 
the volleyball team, the basketball team, the soccer team, et cetera, might all share a locker room. Right? So you might have kids of different ages in that locker room. You're going to have different ethnicities. You're going to have different um, social, so, socioeconomic backgrounds. You're going to have so many differences. And you're going to have uh, women's teams still there, you know, and the boys' teams, the girls' teams are still around. They're, they're sharing the same fields. You're going to have academics still in the school that are part of clubs. You're going to have gay straight alliances. You have teachers around. You have so many different people from so many different walks of life that there's forms of diversity. Hockey is isolated over in arenas. You're broken off by age and gender. You're not sharing space with, you know, a women's teams or anything else because when they're done, they go into their locker room and then, you know, they each go on the ice just with their team. And your locker room is just your team and it's just your age. And then you have coaches who come from that culture enforcing a culture that they've learned. So then it gets perpetuated generation after generation and you spend six to seven nights a week with the same people through your minor hockey all the way up to like junior and then and junior you it's the only sport that everyone moves away from home at like 16. So now you're spending seven days a week with a bunch of people you only know your teammates so you're only hanging out with them and they come from the same culture but elsewhere because they've been influenced by hockey people from somewhere else then they come together and it's reinforced even more and then they go home and spend their summers training with their buddies they grew up with who are hockey players. So they're only around hockey players ever. They're, and like I said, they're predominantly all middle to upper class, white, assumed to be straight. So you can get away with doing a lot of shit and saying a lot of shit without any fear of potentially offending somebody and also fear of uh, repercussions or ramifications for your actions. So I think that's why the culture is the way it is. That's a really interesting answer. You know what that made me think about was when people say stuff like, oh, that's so gay. And then they're like, but I would never say that to a gay person. They like in their mind, it's like not an offensive thing, but they're, they're just saying it like as a term they know. Yeah. And that's exactly what, what you're saying. It's, it's like when uh, the other thing hockey players or, or athletes typically do is put each other down by feminizing one another because there's no women around. Mm -hmm. right. So they're like, well, I don't mean it that way. I'm like, well, no, you actually are because what you're doing is creating a hierarchy. Mm -hmm. You're saying that men are here and that gay men and women are here. Because if you're a man, you... If you're less than, these are the words you're using, and they describe, they're used as a, in a derogatory way to describe these other, these marginalized groups. Mm -hmm. So you're actually saying that we are less than straight men. And, um, but yeah, it's, it's very similar in that regard. And, and when I speak, like I'll talk about this at corporates all the way down to like elementary schools, I focus on language probably the most and creating shifts and and uh there's like five types of language i focus on direct language so like calling somebody a fag or a homo is like direct right you're saying it to a person and it could be said in a joking manner it could also be said in a in a uh, in a manner that is more uh hate-filled um either way it's it's has the same effect 
um, indirect, like that's okay, those off the cuff remarks are, um, have the same effect as direct language, probably even more so. Like I was like a, a hockey player playing junior hockey and like a known person on NHL draft list, like good at my sport. And so I wasn't like getting bullied, being called a fag or like, you know, whatnot. I was presumed to be straight. Like somebody might call me a fag, like, oh, you're such a fag. But like, it was predominantly those, those indirect comments, like, oh, that's so gay. And what people don't realize is we don't know who identifies as what. You know what I mean? And that's a big thing. Also, language spreads. So, uh, and, and I'll get to that in a second, but um, the other kinds are laughter. People laughing after somebody says something, body language, and also silence. Silence is a form of language. If you're just sitting there and you're like, well, I didn't say it, so I'm okay, but you're like allowing it in that space to be said constantly, then you're complicit. Um, so, but it all spreads. And, and so even if people think, well, I'm not saying it, and I would never say it in front of a gay person. It's like, yeah, but eventually they're going to hear it. Because like what I try and tell athletes is you have influence. Hockey players influence Canadian society. They do. They have massive influence. They have influence in Minnesota and in Wisconsin as well. The, the way their peers dress, the way people talk, the way people walk, the way they act is influenced by sports culture. And where that sport has influence, it's influencing their peers, it's influencing younger athletes and people and their peers. It influences adults who look like worship these athletes. And, you know, so the, what they say matters. What people say matters because it ends up spreading and eventually somebody hears it who's a part of that community and it impacts them. And everyone that I've ever spoken in front of, I think maybe less than 10% of the people don't know. And I've spoken in front of thousands and thousands of people. Um, maybe 10% of the people don't know somebody who's LGBTQ+. At least 90% of the people do. So eventually that person in your life that you know is going to hear it. And it's going to impact them. It just does. Yeah, what you're talking about sounds a lot about I read this like senior year of high school, so so long, like a while ago, but there's this really great sociological essay by, I believe the name was CJ Pasco, and it was called Dude, You're a Fag, which is exactly what you're talking about. You know, like it's seen as below what's acceptable or, you know, below the upper status in society, you know, anything that is related to the LGBT or women or anything, if you're directing that at a man, it's seen as an insult because they're seen as less than. And mm -hmm. yeah, you're definitely, if you haven't uh, heard of it, definitely look into it. It was a very, very good read. And yeah, I'll, I'll stuck check with it out. me this whole time. It was great. Like I used it in so many different contexts too. Like, you know, I've very much been like my whole, whole life pretty much like really interested in the toxicity of hockey culture, um, especially because I am someone who has been like, whose life has been absolutely like changed completely by concussions. Uh, like I've had so many concussions. I was part of a CTE study with Boston University. 
Um, and obviously like a lot of that was because I played hockey, um, you know, it's a contact sport, you know, you're going to get concussions. It's almost inevitable. And, you know, a lot of it's not, you know, reported or considered a concussion, but still kind of a concussion. Um, <laughs> so like the toxicity of that culture was always something that, you know, was very interesting to me. And I've definitely wanted to see a change in that. And, you know, I'm hoping that us doing this is making at least a little bit. I mean, you for sure have been, I mean, you have a much bigger platform than we do, but you, your difference has been seen. Like it's been seen, it's been heard. It's definitely affected a lot of people. I mean, we're here talking to you today because you had such a big impact on Curtis Gabriel. Um, but actually <laughs> referring to Curtis, we had asked him, you know, when there's pride nights and stuff like that, it kind of seems disingenuous, you know. I fucking hate them. Yeah, exactly. Like it's like so. I asked Curtis, and he. This is when he mentioned you. He was like, "Oh, like you saw that he had the pride tape on his stick when he scored a goal, and you talked to him, and he was like super uncomfortable about it for a little bit." And you're like, "This guy's the fakest person on the planet." Yeah, I thought <laughs> um, he was full of shit. I thought yeah. what he did was a nice gesture, but I said, "You don't really get it." Right. And like, so ultimately it's a nice gesture, but it's partially performative. If you're not going to use your platform then to evoke change in society. Right. That's actually, you just answered, but I was, I was going to ask how, how do you do that with, without seeming disingenuous? So um, well, I, I think it's, it's that right. So you look at the, the NHL night. So McLean's is like in Canada. I don't know if it'd be like our version of time magazine. So it's like pretty big. And, and um, I was quoted last year as saying that hockey's for everyone is garbage. <laughs> and um, I, I, I just had a concussion and I was unfiltered. It was oh like, yeah, the NHL loved me for that one. <laughs> they like called me yelling. They weren't happy. So I said it was garbage. And I said, uh, these, what's that? They called you? Oh yeah, all the time. What was that conversation like? I'm sorry to like interrupt you there, but oh my god, what? <laughs> what was that yeah. conversation like? Oh, those happen often. <laughs> um, they're like, you know, um, what can I say? <laughs> what can you say without getting another phone call from that? Fuck. <laughs> um, essentially, it was basically. Um, that you know uh you need to watch what you say and blah 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 you like this isn't how you affect change and stuff like that it was it was a very unhappy and upset that i would say that which is gold in coming the media. from the nhl of all things <laughs> yeah well if they would just fix their culture i wouldn't have to say anything right. uh, um so I refer to Pride Nights as having the parade before winning the cup. <laughs> it's like so we're sitting there in September and you have a Stanley Cup championship parade and the season hasn't started yet. Right. You know what I mean? Like, do you, you can't have the parade before you do the work to win the championship. Right. Well, you shouldn't be having fucking Pride Nights until you do the work to shift your culture so that it's meaningful. Right. 
all they're doing right now, I actually think they're setting things back because right. they sit there right now and they have these nights and then it gives ammunition to people saying, look, it's fine. We have pride nights. Right. And it's, it, and it's actually, minimum. well, it's doing the bare minimum, but it's actually hurting us because it, it, it's like a, a shield to block out any of the bad things that happen in the culture. It's like, no, we're fine. Look, we have this. And it's like, well, no, you're actually hindering progress by doing this because people use it as a shield um it, to me it's it's um you know i'd rather they do nothing until they go into their locker rooms and fix the culture and use their influence to shift the culture from minor hockey all the way up it's really fucking pointless um it it hurts the culture like like they don't even have like i, I don't there's alleged uh sexual assault charges or sexual assault allegations on a player and they don't even have like a sexual assault or domestic assault policy in their league for like for you know players who commit assault on women um they don't like so having hockey's for everyone but you don't even have that in place like they're i think the only professional sports league that doesn't um like all of it it it, it has zero what they need to do is use their influence to shift their culture. Humanize these issues in locker rooms. Use their influence to then go into minor hockey. Um, shift the, like, educate their players on these issues. Humanize it, then educate. And then once they do that, you'll start to see a shift. Until that happens, it's all bullshit. And all, on, on top of that, um, what, your animal? She <laughs> missed the bed. <laughs> She tried to jump up and miss. Oh, that was such a bad time to laugh. <laughs> but no, and, and on top of it, um, you know, the like 10 teams in the NHL have partnerships with Chick-fil-A. Right. And it's like, how do you work with Chick-fil-A and then call yourself in tweets an ally? It's right. like, have you even tried the Popeye's chicken sandwich? It's so much better. So much better. Well, like, I don't know how you, there's that, first of all. Like, <laughs> the chicken's not even that good. And number two, um, like, you can't, you can't partner with a group that is rooted in homophobia and transphobia and, and like, you know, our bigots who have donated millions and millions of dollars towards conversion therapy and continue to donate to a group that for uh i think it's some group that does something with religious athletes and they won't uh allow any lgbt athletes to be involved so like you and then like so in one tweet it'll say like we're an ally we're having our pride night and then in the next tweet it's like if we score three goals tonight you get a free chicken sandwich from chick-fil-a and it's like well you can't have it both ways you're either with them and doing that or you're an ally you can't just like that term gets thrown around so loosely in this world too it's like like and what pisses me off the most is like pride was a protest for rights Pride was a, a fight for equality, and 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 really, for some groups, still like like there's a lot of groups that still don't have equality. Like like trans people are still fighting for equality, um, you know. And I would argue that like even gay people don't have full equality, and 
and we're sitting there and then they use this made as a performative gesture and like Chicago had their logo plastered on a flag last week and I'm like that's gross like on a pride flag like There's no so logo should go on the pride flag like that's offensive like you know it's bad enough they you know th their logo itself is you know let's not even go there but like and then on top of it you do that <laughs> what's that my high school uses the same logo oh good for them that's yeah, the psychotic nice. Braves, right? Yeah, great. Yay. Yeah. Not I don't know yeah. a single Native American that I went to fucking high school with. Um, is that are you in the town that like that was protesting COVID and they like started like threatening a journalist? I thought that was in Long Island. It could have been Long Island, but it was not my town, thankfully, because I would have oh. been pissed. <laughs> oh, I was wondering. Okay, yeah, no, fair okay. enough. We actually, you know, in my area, we actually love our local news station. Which oh, is, that's good. Yeah, it's kind of cute. It's like right how, up in my neighborhood. How far are you from Fire Island? I'm actually like, well, okay, you got to take the ferry there because you can't drive there. But it's like 30 minutes, 45 minutes. I drive there literally almost every single day. Oh, really? Yeah. You go see all the fags all summer? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I once saw a porn <laughs> promo being shot there. There was like a lot of elements well, there that was bizarre. <laughs> okay, well, well, here's the thing: the beach at Fire Island in the summer is basically a porn flick. So. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, we had what we called European Spice, who was walking around in this hot pink speedo, like that was like up his ass. It was crazy. While this porn promo was being shot. Oh, <laughs> there, was there anyone not wearing a speedo? yes <laughs> were they naked no there was this one guy in his underwear which was pretty weird That's <laughs> yeah he's um, like let's go to the beach i'm not gonna wear a bathing suit actually naomi i took you to fire island <laughs> you did the one time i visited she did take me there but wait i just like sorry to throw this back to pride night but i had a question because i feel like yeah worked for two professional soccer teams both of which had had have had pride nights and I was kind of on like the event planning marketing side of those things and or sales. And I was just kind of wondering, because I know that a lot of the MLS fan base identifies as LGBTQ. And I definitely specifically for Ford Madison, which is the, the local Madison USL um, soccer team, which maybe you've heard. Mm -hmm. um, I would say most of their fans are LGBTQ. Um, and I think the idea of the night was to make everyone feel included and like get fans out to like feel safe and like important, you know? And I, I didn't think that that was so much of a performative thing. And I was wondering from your point of view, like we didn't do anything in the way that was like, oh yeah, like now we like want to include this community. Like everything that they kind of did and a lot of their, part, all of their partnerships were like uh, like ally type partnerships. And I, I thought that it was- I. Like, yeah. So here's my thing. I'm not a fan of them at all. Um, I think if you're not using, first of all, there, there's two different things with sports teams. There's sports culture and then corporate culture. Mm -hmm. So where you work, that's corporate culture. Okay. You know what I mean? Do you get what I'm saying? Like that's yeah. a corporation. Mm -hmm. It's a business. Mm -hmm. And that's the business side. That's not shifting what's happening in the locker room, which is the sports side. Okay. And so my thing is, it's lovely, but they're also selling merch and making money. 
Yeah. Um, they, they get people there. There's a study that came out. It's called Out on the Fields. So you can check it out. It's out of Australia. And it, it's a little older now, but they've done an updated one. And um, I think it's like 70 or 80% of LGBTQ plus sports fans experience homophobia and transphobia in the stands. Right. So what are they doing to educate their season ticket holders to make it a safer space for everyone? What are they doing to shift the culture in the locker room to make that a safer space for a potential gay player or queer player? What are they doing to influence their minor soccer or minor sports to shift it? So the night is lovely for those who work on the corporate side because it's, it's a great night to show inclusion that they're supportive and everything else. But my whole point is, unless the corporate itself is shifting culture with, within their parameters and where they can and using their uh, influence and privilege to make things better, then what's the point? Because one, one night of wearing rainbow shit is yeah. not going to do that. Do you get what I'm saying? No, I definitely so it's, do. I, I don't think it's it's rooted in malice. I think yeah. everyone's well-intentioned in doing it. I just don't think that it has, like another study came out that said that Pride Nights have uh, very little to no, um, very little to no impact on shifting homophobia within sports culture. So unless they actually do work to shift it, mm -hmm. it's like it's like slapping Black Lives Matter on something, but not doing things to, you know, make society less racist or to eradicate white supremacy. Unless you're actually doing the work to shift it, don't do it because then it be it becomes easy and it's like, oh, look, we did it. Right. That's like, do you guys remember when people were posting like the black squares on Instagram? Yes. <laughs> like and then and then went back to their regular lives and didn't do anything to shift it, didn't have uncomfortable conversations, right. didn't go learn themselves and educate themselves, didn't, you know, do anything, but everyone posted a square. Right. I actually deleted my black square. What was that, Rachel? We solved racism. I, I deleted my square, square because I was well, yeah, and, and that's the thing, right? It didn't do anything to solve the issues and, and to, uh, you know, prevent police brutality and, and like, race and anti-Black racism. Um, so, like, that's how I feel about Pride Nights. It's, it's okay. the Black Square on Instagram. And, and I actually deleted mine because I was like, I'm not putting this up because I need to do more work and continue to educate myself on these issues. And like the intersections, even within my own community of being, you know, black and gay or, you know, the intersections of like a black trans woman and how, you know, walking through life is probably like far more difficult for them than it is for me and use my privilege to uplift them and, and to make society a better place for them. And that's, that's all I think, you know, if, if they would do that then have it's like going back to having the parade before winning the cup it's like do the work and i've told them how i've sat down with them i i've told them how and it's not tough to do humanize the issue get people for from all the protected groups under the human rights code and that have lived experience within these cultures humanize these issues 
then have academics put together education programs to educate all the athletes. Like you will see changes from there and then teach them how to use their voice for good. And people will stop. They will. It'll improve. I've already seen improvements just existing and people not using homophobic language as much and, and standing up to it. Um, so, and, and even shifts in like people like Curtis and just like the conversations we have and, and how much growth he's had in like a year, you know what I mean? And, and so it's, it's, there's the ability to do it. There's a choice whether you do it or not. And I don't think professional sports has gone to that level, especially men's professional sports. Absolutely. Yeah. I was just, this is taking it like way back to the, one of the first things we are talking about. We were talking about how it's more acceptable to be part of the LGBTQ community in women's sports. And I was just thinking that growing up, you know, you're talking about like wearing makeup on like the professional level. Like when I was in high school, I wore makeup to games. And I don't think that that was so much because I feared people viewing me as like queer. I thought that it was just like I wanted to look nice when I was on the field when people were looking at me. But I definitely, I, I just like forgot. And then I just recalled it and wanted to throw that back in there. And, and that's another aspect too. People just want to look good, right? Like that, that plays into it as well. And there is that aspect. But I, I think there's, there's an aspect of feminizing yourself on the mm-hmm. field. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And why, if we, critic, if we break down why we have that need to, uh, you know, like, feminize or masculinize ourselves in situations part of it has to do likely with perceptions of what we'd be if we didn't look that way right and whether it's personal uh views on ourselves or like like whether it's you know how we need this to feel this way or or if it's fears of what others will think of us, there's different reasons and there's always different reasons. Everyone has a different reason, but part of it, I think plays into the fact that some people probably feel like it's a way so that people recognize that they're feminine yeah, and that they don't have to, they're not just because they're an athlete doesn't make them masculine. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I also, when I was in high school, I played football. And that was one of those things when I had a helmet on, I literally just like, I looked like a boy and I hated it. And so I'd like braid my hair to the side and it was like all girly and feminine. And I like, I definitely, when I was doing that was like, I need to like differentiate myself as a woman. And like, I, I guess I never yeah. fully thought about like why I needed to do that, but like I needed people to recognize me as a woman when I was on the and- and there could have been like 10 reasons for that subconsciously. Yeah. It could have been the fact that you were empowering women by, being a woman playing football. It could have been, you know, uh, for yourself, that's how you felt confident. It could have been, you know, there's so many different reasons, but one of them may have been that people perceive, and it it might not have been, but for some people, I think it is, uh, the perception of, uh, you know, being uh, perceived as queer if they're not. you know what i mean or masculine if they want to you know give off you know the construct of being feminine right um and then this is like totally unrelated again i'm just like jumping all over the place that's fine do your research on the fly and jump wherever you gotta go yeah because she came in totally unprepared stop i feel (laughs) more prepared as i'm speaking i'm feeling better now um 
But have you guys? That's good. You're doing well. Thank you. Have you guys both seen the the Dove campaign, the one that's like throw like a girl, like that stuff? Yeah. I was just thinking when we were talking about kind of like specific language, like when a man calls another man like a pussy, like stuff like that, and how how that affects like youth and like when I was growing up people would consider me like you throw like a girl and like so then I had to like change the way I threw but like I was a girl like what was anyway you throw is gonna be like a girl because you are a girl yeah Yeah, there's no such thing as like it doesn't mean you throw it shouldn't people use it as a way to say you suck at throwing Mm -hmm. instead of just saying oh you identify as a woman and you throw like a woman you know like it's it's like yeah well no fucking shit i am a woman so that's how a woman throws regardless like you'd be jenny finch like ripping 100 miles an hour and and you know yeah you throw like a girl you're you're a woman you know like it's it's but it's foolish and it's used as a way to put um it's it's a patriarchy really it's all rooted in like supremacy and the patriarchy and even white supremacy is rooted in the idea that men are still better than women and homosexuals like straight white men are are the epitome of society right and Mm -hmm. so when you break that shit down it's all rooted in this stuff yeah definitely And, and rachel and i talk about the importance of language probably every podcast um we've previously talked about just differentiating men's and women's sports and, you know, just like by creating a norm and like creating something that's different from the norm or like you have ESPN and you have ESPNW and it's like, in my mind, ESPNW is similar to Pride Night and that they're like, oh no, it's on ESPNW. Like we, we play women. It's offensive. But then at the same time on ESPN, like you won't see women's sports. It gets like what? 48% of coverage. Well, 40% of, fans of sports are women right and so by pretending that women don't watch regular espn or like men's sports it's just it's like they create this new like pink espn for the women who don't watch espn it's like that's making the women who already watched espn feel like what what's going on here and it also tells the other women that, no, you shouldn't be watching ESPN. It's not for you. Mm-hmm. It's for men's sport. And it also tells men that women's sports are less than. Yeah. And it creates the hierarchy that exists in society. It's the same thing, you know, with the Pride Nights or anything else. Like, stop creating these, this hierarchy bullshit. Yeah. Um, you know, like, women's sports, it's been proven that it, with the proper viewership and primetime hours women's sports would excel there's an article mm-hmm. in the guardian about it check it out like if you google like the guardian women's sports there's an article not mm-hmm. long ago and and it talked about it how how well it would do if it was given primetime coverage mm-hmm. and you know it's it's uh, they do this all the time like with sports and and you know, the, women's sport takes uh, a backseat and it gets very little coverage on SportsCenter or anything else. And they get their own channel that's off to the side and doesn't get, you know, and it's, it's uh, the same thing with LGBTQ+. It's, it's like it, it's treated as less than. And instead of, you know, like we don't need to see... 20 of the same interview on the same night like sorry it's boring like show more sports show different sports get people engaged in more stuff 
Yeah. Absolutely. I totally agree. Um, I'm definitely going to look that up. And I was just thinking, um, like the women's national soccer team here in the U.S., for example, they had higher coverage or higher views than the men's, and they're not getting the same promotion as the men's teams would get. So, like, imagine and if you start giving them not even more promotion. I'm talking equal promotion. Yeah. Like, just the difference well, that would make in the viewership in who's purchasing merchandise, stuff like that. Like, it would make a gigantic difference. Yeah. And, and even here, like, we have our, uh, our national women's soccer team's pretty good. And uh, Christine Sinclair is, like, one of the all-time best goal scorers in the sport. Mm -hmm. And... You know, there's very little coverage. Uh, Christine Sinclair should be a household name in Canada, um, and and isn't Bianca Bianca Andreescu is becoming one in tennis, but like, and it seems like individual sports like tennis may get a little more, but I think that's like the the Serena effect. You know, the Williams sisters kind of created that and and like broke that glass ceiling. Um, but it's still less than men's and paid less than men's. And even the men like that meathead from, uh, from Europe somewhere, Djokovic, he like wanted to start a players association and wouldn't include the women's side. Um, you know, like there, there's, it, it, there's no doubt that women's sport would excel and succeed. And, and I think there's a fear I think there's a fear and it's the same thing with, you know, we see with, um, you know, with whiteness or with straightness that, you know, th that people think if other groups have a semblance of the same privilege that they will lose theirs. Right. So, so by suppressing or putting them on ESPN 12, or ESPNW, it's like, well, we gave them, you know, we gave them something. Mm -hmm. And it's like, but we still keep the good stuff. And and it's like, I think, you know, women's sport, LGBTQ plus people, et cetera, we gotta stop paying fucking crumbs. And and when we do, we'll, we'll gain more. And um, that's where I'm at. And I don't give a shit who likes me and who hates me for it. Uh, I really don't care. Like I, I randomly, I tweeted at the Philadelphia Flyers tonight because they were having their pride night and they uh, have a partnership with Chick-fil-A and I lost 10 followers as I tweeted it, like after I hit send. And I'm like, this is weird. You should know what I'm about by now. Followers. But, <laughs> what's that? Dude, the Flyer fans are annoying anyway. They're the same people that threw the like the rubber bracelets onto the ice and almost, you know, killed all their players during the playoffs that one year. That was yeah. bad. <laughs> yeah, well, um, Philadelphia is a unique place. Um, <laughs> That's a nice but... way to put it. <laughs> yeah, and those aren't followers that you want anyways. No, exactly. But my point is more that people get so uh, ruffled up and defensive. And, and it's because of things like Pride Night that they go, well, look what we gave you. Right. right. And it's like, well, fuck you. I don't want that. I right. want equality. You know, I don't need your crumbs. And instead, you know, why don't you do the stuff to make it a, a, an inclusive place for everyone? But when the league, and this is where I come back to corporate first locker room, when the corporate doesn't act to shift 
then we got issues, yeah. right? Because that's just like corporate social governance. Like that, that's like a thing that makes performance better. Like it's studies have shown this over and over in society that like the more inclusive your corporation is, the more money you make, the more, uh, the happier your employees are, the more productive they are, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, why wouldn't that translate if you took your corporate and then applied that to your locker rooms? You know, and it's like, they will be happier they, if they don't have to conform to this bullshit. Um, but so the point is like people think that doing that is like inclusion, those nights or ESPNW or any of this other stuff. And it's like, no, it's not. It's crumbs. And, and people become offended and scared because they think they're going to lose their privilege. And it's like, no. I look at it, a friend of mine sat down with a friend of mine one day and we we're talking about trans issues and different things. And she's like this really smart uh, person. She's a, an actress. She's like the first trans woman to play trans on a soap opera. And she's in LA and she's on uh, General Hospital. Uh, but we were talking about uh, privilege and we we're talking about you know like even within the lgbtq plus community there's hierarchies of privilege and i'm a cis white masculine gay guy who you know um walks down the street and people like assume i'm straight so there's a lot of privilege that comes with that right and recognizing it and imagine if i thought well like these other like the trans community or or lesbians or these other groups or like gay men of color are taking my prib like taking rights away from me by gaining rights no that's bullshit it what what you know if i i need to use my privilege to open up spaces so that we all gain equality and recognize that like in the way the analogy she used was like it's like uh, a restaurant and all the, you know, straight, like, let's say, if we're talking sport, straight white men or straight men are in the restaurant eating. Well, we're all outside. And it's not that we want their tables. We just want to be able to sit down and eat too. It might mean your food takes five or 10 more minutes to get to your table because, you know, the chef has to cook more meals. But you're going to eat and we're going to eat and everyone will eat. And, and ultimately, um, everyone's happier and more gets done and better happens for the world if we stop being oppressive. So that's the way I look at that. And, and it was a really good analogy. And I, I really appreciate that she shared it with me. That restaurant analogy is next level. That's going to stick with me. And so I'm excited for that. And in case I need to use that in the future, I'll quote you. Um, yeah, do it. And yeah, I just feel like for me, like my biggest takeaway take from this conversation has really been like the Pride Night because there's no doubt in my mind in the future that I'll be working for a sports team and that they're going to have a Pride Night. And so like, now I'm going to be like, okay, like these are the steps we need to do to make it worth our time. Well, let me ask you something. If, you, if they had a women's night, okay. And we're going to celebrate women tonight. And then you heard all the players call each other, like those words you use that I shouldn't use because I'm a man. Um, right. And, and yeah. you're sitting there and you heard those words being used. 
And then they had a night to celebrate women. Right. No, absolutely. Would you feel like it was authentic and genuine? No. And you know what? Like, we just had International Women's Day, and there are a lot of people posting about women, and it's like, congrats, guys. We had our day. All right? We're done to, like... Yeah, see you next year. Forever. Yeah, that's what we said. We were like, mm -hmm. it's the one day of the year to make people feel better about hating women the other 364 right. days of the year. Yeah. yeah like, I definitely, so, I hear you, and that's definitely perspective that I get to take with me, and I'm excited to have now. And it's just, I was thinking about, we we had a, a interview on National Women's Day, and we had we had a white man come because we're like, we did what every other sports organization did. And we still focused on white men. Um, this is what he they do. Great guest. Yeah. You're a product. You're a product of your environment. Exactly. No, totally. And it was just like, it was so interesting to see. I think uh, it was for, for a premier league soccer game and they had a woman, I don't remember who, but she was commentating and it was like, they never, I promise you, they will never have that for the rest of the year. Maybe wait until next International Women's Day and you'll see it again. But it was like, you know, those little things that they do. Yeah. And they're like, oh, that's cute. And like you said, crumb. It's like, like basketball did an all-women's broadcast in Canada. And they might have even called it an all-female, which irks me. Because, like, that you know. Word. That word. <laughs> well, it's like, that isn't how, like, they could be born... Like that's I, I it's not as trans inclusive as like yeah. saying women, you know. So, uh, but like th there was a basketball night and it was lovely and wonderful that they did that. But like, why aren't they calling the games the rest of the year? Right. You know, um, same hockey did one too, I think. And it's like, yeah, well, they had like Kendall Coyne Showfield, yeah. like Monique Lamoureux or something like that. Yeah, and it's like great. Well, where are they? Yeah, because the only women can call games the only recurring one i ever see is aj malesko yeah her and uh, uh cassie campbell in does like color commentary yeah. in canada and occasionally uh, you get cammy granado thrown in there and does cammy do some sometimes but like i feel like i've heard kendall do more recently but that's also just because it definitely had a lot to do with her going to the all-star game or all, yeah. all skills competition, just leaving everyone in the dust. Like, yeah, that, that made me really happy. I know. I um, we talked about that on our last podcast, actually. Does, I want to do Cammy. Cammy and AJ have a podcast together, don't they? I think I so. Wanna do, I want to do their podcast at some point. I want to get on there. Because I, I, Cammy's husband, I know like Ray a little bit just from like socials and stuff. And they're they're really inclusive people, so... Yeah, awesome. We had asked Curtis about because you know, he's not he's not quiet about hating Barstool, um, and he had mentioned you know Chicklets reaching out to him, and I was curious if you shared the same you know view as him. Like he said that you know he's not going to do it unless he can sit down with like Portnoy and Nardini, and they're like, you have a we problem with your company. We tried to sit down with them. We sent them a message that we would sit down with them together and kind of explain it. Like, I, and and I think some of it is like just like um, being like blissfully ignorant, I guess. You know, like like Nardini was, I guess, a couple of weeks ago talking about like she like just heard of the male gaze in that term. Um, which, you know, is really interesting. Um, but I, I think 
it makes sense. Uh, you know, you're immersed in this culture that is run by men. Um, that is, you know, like sports culture is predominantly male driven. You said yourselves, you brought on a man during international men's day. That, that is whether you, that is programming from working in men's sports culture, whether you like it's subconscious or conscious, you know what I mean? So I think what people become a product of their environment and when it's over and over and over and, and, you know, uh, I, I think Portnoy is probably really smart. Um, like in the sense that he built this brand and, and I don't think you can be stupid and do that. Um, there's ignorance there and there's some bigotry and, and whether it's, uh, you know, intentional or not, it still exists. And, you know, like Biz used to follow me on social media and unfollowed me um, after messaging me and saying like, oh, he loves what I do, blah, 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 blah. And, and you know, and I said, great, let's have a conversation about it. Well, I don't know if our spot's the right spot to have that conversation. And, and then, you know, some stuff happened with Barstool and I was critical of them. I, I think, you know, um, I think their model for success is really smart. The digital platforms and the website and not having the overhead of an ESPN or, or Fox Sports or anyone else. I, I think they have people who say controversial, problematic shit. And you can be funnier. Like, you don't have to punch down to be funny. And they do. Yeah. So you're really not that funny because that's the lowest hanging fruit. You know what I mean? And they pander to an audience that is predominantly like borderline incels. The frat and, demographic. Well, I don't even think it's like, I think it's worse than frat boy. I think like it's people who didn't, couldn't conform and fit in with the frat boys and whatnot, or now they're a lot of their audience on like social media and they attack women and they harass people and they do a lot of fucked up shit. But like frat boys want to hang out with them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Jocks wouldn't have hung out with those people. Like, so they were like borderline incels and they couldn't conform and fit in. And, and now somewhere has given them a sense of refuge and they go to an extreme for them. And beyond like the past and maybe current, I don't listen to them. So I don't know racist and misogyny and homophobia that exists within the culture. There's, um, you know, they know what their fans do and they know what they do on socials and they don't stop them. And in fact, like when, when, um, um, why can't I think of names right now? Uh, Gord Miller, uh, you know, said he wouldn't go on chicklets cause he was asked the question in his question box for the week. And he's a TSN color commentator in the NHL. Um, he said no because of those reasons like portnoy literally told people to get him and then they started going after his like teenage daughter and you know what i mean it's like really fucked up and and they encourage that and, and that's where i take the most issue like you can say yeah we've left those like the misogyny and the racism and homophobia we don't do that anymore and we've learned from our mistakes well, A, atone for it, do something good for those communities. B, um, you haven't really learned if now you're just getting other people to do your dirty work. And, and by doing that and creating that culture, you're, it's, it's really toxic and it's scary. 
and Nardini when uh, when the NW thing happened, and she took screenshots and like like made a video and posted tweets of like people who work in the NW, journalists that cover the NW, and what they said about her um, potentially owning a team and Barstool being involved. And then shared it to the millions of Barstool fans. Well, she knows, and if she doesn't, it's like willful ignorance, which is as bad if not worse. They know exactly what the, the fandom does to women and how they attack. So now you have a situation where you're putting on blast, you know, all these people who, you know, like you're basically doxing them. And you're putting them on blast so you know that every single one of these these misogynistic, women-hating, borderline incels are going to attack and get into their DMs and threaten their lives and find out where they live and where they work and everything else. You're a celebrity. You're a fucking multi-billion dollar company CEO. Even if there are other women and they're saying this, you're punching down. They're, they don't have your profile. Like, I eat a lot of shit from my own community all the fucking time, and I don't put them on blast. Right. Because then I'm, you know, like, what? So then my followers will go and attack them? Like, cool. And I don't have, you know, nearly uh, a tenth of what, you know, Nardini or Pornoy or Barstool have. So they're, they're you know, that, that, that is, uh, it's violence. And they're letting it happen. So they're choosing to let it happen. If they don't know, they, they have to know. They can not know. I don't follow anything Barstool and I fucking know. And I'll tweet about Barstool and, and I'll say their full name, whereas most people will like, like put a star in one of the letters or two of the letters so that they, the, the fandom doesn't like come at them. Nobody comes after me. Why? Because I'm a masculine man who played professional hockey and they're afraid they go after women they harass women they attack women they go after queer people and and even within the queer community like they don't want to seem homophobic so they mock the when people have their pronouns in their bios and and that is the new form of homophobia and transphobia is to do that because then it's like a subtle way of calling somebody a fag right you know I'm glad you mentioned that whole like tweeting thing because actually something like that, exactly like that, happened to me yesterday and today. I just retweeted a tweet from the NHL and I was like, Kaprizov's winning the Calder. The NHL themselves have said that Kaprizov's, Kaprizov is winning the Calder. It's a cold take. It is an ice cold take. Like that's not a hot take whatsoever. I didn't at anyone. I didn't tag anything. And even right this second, my, my mentions are blowing up because people are offended by that because they hate when you come at your, their fucking favorite team or whatever. Like, I tweeted about Jamie Ben without even, like, tagging anything, and they found it, and they started blowing up. Like, the things that they were saying was actually insane to me. Like, was it? Was, I, I saw some stuff that was transphobic. Yeah, it was super transphobic. Like, yeah, really and the, the irony is most of them, A, don't have a profile picture that's themselves. They have, the, like, John and then 75 numbers in their name. Yep. Um, and then they, they quote the Bible. 
Yep. Like And like the irony of like being hate filled and, and judging other people and then quoting the Bible. And it's like you think you're going to heaven doing that? Right. You think you're going to heaven. You you think God's looking down on you if you're a religious person, he's thinking, This is a great fucking choice you're making this yeah, moment. This guy, this like, guy harassed you're, you're doing on Twitter. Well. He's you're, going to yeah, heaven. I'm letting him in the gates. <laughs> You know what I mean? I, I'm, I'm harassing Peter, a woman. I'm being, yeah, I'm harassing a woman. I'm being transphobic. I'm hating on human beings. Yeah, God's letting you in. Yeah, it was God's really letting you in. And it was like yeah. not even like before even got <laughs> to the transphobic part and the homophobia. It was just like these were just things that would never ever happen to a man in sports. Like you would never ask a man what cycling is in hockey. That's like asking fucking goddamn David Beckham what dribbling is in soccer. Like, that makes no sense. That's not something you ask someone that is assumed to have knowledge of the sport. But the second that they find out it's a woman, a woman, you can't know anything. Do you follow the broadcast out of Vancouver? I do not, but I will now. Oh, follow them. There are a bunch of women who started. Wait. Sam Chang's a really good friend of mine. She's a lawyer in Vancouver. And the amount of hate she gets, like people make burners and send her hate-filled messages like every hour. They found out her law firm, like like people were, were like oh, her and her wow. husband are part of a country club and they found pictures and called the country. Like they tried to get her fired from her job that just for cool. like, sharing opinions on like sports and like the vancouver canucks it's so fucked up what women go through on the internet in this fandom but but the men who attack about that stuff are also the men who follow barstool and they're also like most of them think nhl players would be their friend they would never they they just would think that they're like losers and not want anything to do with them like yeah. I'm sorry, but th- that that's just a fact. And, and one it's of them really... was like bragging about how the Dallas Stars Twitter account follows them. I'm I like, saw that. I'm like, oh, some rando behind a phone who got the login to yeah. their Twitter account. Jamie Ben doesn't want to be your friend. Neither right? does Tyler saying I'm sorry. They will never like you. They don't want to be your friend. Ben Bishop doesn't know you exist, and he He's never not will. Any any. And he's not going to, you're not going to hang out with him. He won't come to your birthday party, John 66792. I'm sorry, it's just not going to happen. He's never going to give you a hug. Like, I'm sorry, you're just never going to be friends with them. They don't like you. They never will. They don't know you exist. So, like, like doing this and attacking women isn't getting you that much closer to them. In fact, it'll probably push more distance from them. They don't think it's cool. And, and, and Barstool's using you for clicks and money because they wouldn't be your friends either. Although Jamie Ben might be the exception to that, considering his transphobic and homophobic past. Well, listen, I, I think people say some things. I've talked to some people who've talked to him and, and I'm hoping that things get through to him and evolve. Here, here's my issue with talking. We go back to the insular nature. And because it's predominantly white, middle, tougher class, and they aren't exposed to any diversity at all, there's, it's very conservative. So they're getting their talking points from, uh, from Fox News. Mm-hmm. And they don't understand the reality of society and, and what people go through. And then when we humanize things for them, and I have conversations, and so does Curtis, 
with NHL players and professional hockey players and I have junior hockey players and when it starts to be humanized they start to evolve and they start to critically think and, and realize that people are getting hurt and and they realize that trans women in sport isn't like uh, I ask people all the time uh, tell me how many trans women are dominating sport right. tell me which one name and and so then this person's like there's so many look and sent me two people Ooh, I'm they're like, dominating so, they're taking over so i'm like so uh, like the, like in all of women's sport in all of the world there's two trans women that have won events in their collective sport one was powerlifting i can't remember the other that have won something of like, like like a national title or an international like a world title and I'm like, cool. Like, it's not like they're sitting there and, and all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're transitioning to go play women's hockey instead of men's. Like, no, that's illogical. It's fear-mongering. And it comes from... So this, I, I sat down, Curtis and I both did with the Human Rights Campaign. And, and this is the same thing that... It's the same type of fear-mongering that existed um, in the past around gay marriage. And it's a way to evoke um, a certain demographic of people to get involved in politics and vote. So they fear monger, the right does this, and they create all these different uh, laws. And, and so right now it's anti-trans laws, it used to be gay marriage laws and, and whatnot, anti-marriage laws. And, and it's a way to get people involved and vote and rile people up so that they will get out and vote so that they win future elections. It has nothing to do with even the issue itself. They're just pandering to an audience and, and trying to get them angry and creating this hysteria about something that doesn't even exist. Trans women aren't dominating sport. Most most queer people, like I, I, I was, I'm one of the few that made it to a professional in my sport, in men's sport, and I tried to kill myself on like a lot of occasions. Most trans people are just trying to survive. Look at the rates of uh trans self-harm trans suicidal thoughts trans trans like suicide you know look at the amount of trans people that are kicked out of their homes growing up and just trying to exist like if anything we should be using sport to empower people and uplift them and and not using it as, as pushing them out of it and and fear having them in it like there was a lawsuit i think it was in massachusetts or somewhere of like this trans woman like teenager was winning sprinting competition so two other uh two other women sued her and sued the governing body that so that she couldn't race and while the lawsuit was pending they both beat her at the provincial champ or at the state championships so it's like you won you won yeah. the race like like what the fuck like chill out <laughs> You know what I mean? And it's like, it's fear mongering and it's, and it's not based in fact and reality. And this when when professional athletes come to me and they say, well, what about trans women? It's, I'm like, okay, name me, name me three trans women right. who are dominant. Like name me one that you know of that's dominating sport. They, they don't exist because most of them are just trying to survive and, and live. And if they, one does get good at sport, great. Like, fuck yeah. Cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? But they're not, like, if you look at the science behind, like, like a, a trans woman and their body over time and, and the amount of regulations, like, they're at a, almost a disadvantage. You know, the bone mass of being born male and then, you know, losing all your testosterone and muscle 
mass to then carry the frame that was, you know, born male, like you're at a disadvantage. Jessica Platt talks about it. And, and I'm sure Curtis mentioned this, um, you know, and, and so there, there's like disadvantages there that, and, and then even to play NCAA sport as a trans woman, you have to sit out a year and go through like rigorous hormone uh you know protocols and and it's like it's more extreme than like any any woman and also there's no such thing like stop policing women's bodies there's no such thing as a normal amount of uh estrogen or testosterone like look at uh oh what's her name the yeah like they're policing her body she's she's a biological female who's now being forced to reduce her natural testosterone level like not not a steroid but hey michael phelps had like a, a an inhuman like lung capacity nobody made him suppress that he had a ridiculous wingspan like like the uh, insane wingspan nobody made him suppress that and no one cut uh, off his fingers to make his you know and, and and he had webbed feet like you know what i mean nobody said anything because he's a cis man those are just his natural advantages <laughs> yeah but it's so, the same thing about if you like look at women's sports like you look at volleyball players you look at basketball players and like they're all much taller than the average women like that's an unfair advantage you look at <clears throat> you know people who who are just build muscle more quickly like that's just these are all just natural things and like you can't how it, do you when to start policing that it yeah connor mcdavid has a ridiculous quick twitch and he's the fastest person on the ice in in men's hockey you know what i mean his explosiveness is through the roof and that's not the, what you're going to do suppress his quick twitch like, are you going to do that to people who can jump higher than other people? No. So why are you doing it to a woman? Right. And, and there's a whole other, you know, there's a ton of issues there. And, and so, but again, it's all rooted in the patriarchy and uh, supremacy, white supremacy. And it all comes back to that. And, and if we just get past that and we just treat human beings like human beings and, and celebrate achievements of people in society instead of oppressing people out of fear illogical fears that don't exist you know we'd be in a much better place yeah. absolutely and you know i think that that's a really good way to kind of conclude and like wrap our guests want to take away too much of your name um but do you have any like closing statements for our many followers that you wanted to share yeah um if every podcast we make that joke Every, Every podcast we ask, no one's ever prepared. I just was curious. What? Just, What's the joke? You know oh, what? Our many followers. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but you know, at the end of an interview, when your interviewer is like, "Do you have any questions for me?" and you're just like, "That's oh, like," I feel like I make people feel. No, I wasn't cut off. I was just making a face. Oh. Okay. <laughs> um, fair. Well, what I would say to your followers. All four of them. Um, we have more than four. We're at oh, how five, many? actually. Oh, Sorry. All, all seven of your, your relatives. All, all 18 people in Madison, Wisconsin. That's one. Um, 
Shout out, Madison. <laughs> you um, should on the podcast, and now. <laughs> yeah, now you're gonna blow up. Like, um, so if anyone is struggling with anything to do with this or knows somebody who is, feel free to reach out to me, uh, DM me. I will answer. It sometimes takes me some time. Um, to the people who might listen to this, who are doing it out of hate, out of spite for the scrap on uh, Twitter, you know, just like critically think. And if you want to have a conversation on why, you know, this matters and how it impacts people, reach out and let's have a chat. Um, uh, I'm critical of sport a lot. I hate it. I fucking hate it. I like having fun. I'm really like you saw me at the start. I'm like a goofball. Um, and that's my personality. And then I have to be this serious, like critical person a lot of the time. I fucking hate doing it because I'd rather just love my life and smile and be happy. But I have to because people are still quitting sport. People within sport are still coming to me and uh you know in having you know huge mental crises because of who they are their identity doesn't match their ability to play and and they are struggling people are still struggling and i just want sport to shift and if you work in sport like reach out and let's have a conversation how you can make it better because like we can make it better for everyone and, and the, the ability to do it's there. And I've critically analyzed this for five years and worked with academics who study this for a living and, and there's ways and I, I know what they are. So reach out and let's make it a better and safer and happier place for everyone. Let's give everyone a seat at the table. Let's let everyone eat. Hell yeah. Thank you so much, Brock. Very, very well-spoken. Thank you, Thank Brock. You. We had the brilliant Brock McGillis on. Thank you. Thank you Thank so you much. So we much. very much appreciate it. We we love you, Brock. We love you. <laughs> um, that was so much fun. Thanks for having me. And uh, keep in touch. Of course. Let, let me know when you're dropping it, and I'll share it on all the socials and oh, all that fun stuff. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, DM you soon. Deal. All right. All right. Thank you so much. Have a great Thank night. You. Nice night. to meet you. Bye. Night. You too. Bye. Bye.